Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Well, how are you now, Skip? Ah, oh, there you are now. He's bleeding massive. A fair play in all fairness. Good hopping. Give a shot, yeah. I'm allergic to this. Relax the cocks. Way out of that. Ah, oh, Jesus, tis yourself. Get that into you, Cynthia. How are you all doing, lads? What's the crack? Welcome back to another episode of Tis Yourself. This is episode six of season five. You may have noticed there was no episode last week. So basically what happened was there, I had a guest lined up who had to postpone last minute and I was going to the UK on Friday. And I just said, rather than rush and try and find someone, I just would skip a week and I didn't get any death threats or any hate mail so either you don't care or you're like ah oh, she obviously has something on so we're going to go with she obviously has something on vibes that you're not like oh that pile of crap's not out great <laughs> I have a great guest on me today so the definitely the vibes I'm getting with season five are it's very fun chats it's very like I think what sums it up best is my friend texts me after the Dahi uh, episode and she said, I felt like he was just listening to two old friends. And as I have said in that episode, myself and Dahi have you know, known each other quite a while. And, but like we wouldn't be, you know, friends. I don't, we don't go for pints or anything together. Although Dahi called me, I'm happy to go for a pint with you in Galway anytime. But yeah, I feel like there's, these are all people this year, with the exception of Simon, I've never spoken to Simon before from Carnation Street, that I've met before, but I want to get to know, like I've interviewed them in like, certain scenarios or whatever but this time I'm actually getting a chance to sit down and talk to them and have the crack and I think that's hopefully coming through that we're having the crack and it's um it's kind of like less structured or whatever not that this podcast is ever structured if you have ever listened to any episodes you know it's not but yeah definitely there's a fun vibe in it this year and that definitely carries through into this episode with the lovely Liverpudlian Jake Carter. Now You've no idea how hard I am trying not to say that in a Liverpool accent because I really just don't want to offend anybody. But I'm just, I really want to, I feel like I have to get one out of my system. Jake? Jake? Sorry, that's, I said it twice. The same name, okay? I had to, I didn't do it while I was talking to him. So I think I had to just let that out. Apologies to everyone in Liverpool. Or, or was they okay? Let me know. I cannot do the Manchester accent. And so I did not try that when we had Simon on from Coronation Street. But yeah, we had a lovely chat, uh, myself and Jake, this week. So we were talking all about, oh God, we talked about everything. We talked about everything from pumpkins to da- Christmas dancing to Love Island and to what else? We talked about everything. I actually got to know quite a lot about him that I didn't know because he loves the little stories, which I love. I love hearing people's little stories and stuff. Like when you go off on a tangent and you're like, oh, actually, this reminds me of, you know, the time me and my Nana did this or whatever. So there's loads of those, which is brilliant. Lots of slagging of his brother, which is always, you know, welcome because not, not because it's Nathan, but just I like people slagging off their siblings. I do it all the time. Um, 
But yeah, I also didn't want to focus too much on Nathan because I, I suppose throughout the years, that's something that he would have had to deal with a lot of, you know, when your brother is your, the first one to get into fame and then everyone's like, oh, you're Nathan's brother. So I did want to ask him about how he feels about that, but obviously I didn't want to focus too much on it. So we do uh, talk about him, obviously. So any Nathan fans are out there, I hope you'll also enjoy this. But this is about Jay and Jay and oh god oh no I'm gonna keep doing this now um sorry Jake if you're listening apologies we also talk about Karen and their little romance and I say little romance they're together like a long time now so that's actually hilarious that called that but I love their TikToks they start coming up for me and I don't know if you've seen them before but if you haven't it's basically basically Jake in his Liverpool accent and Karen in her Dublin accent and they say they put up a word and say like how do you pronounce it so the one they were looking at that I looked at just before I interviewed him was Sirloin but obviously he says in a different way that I will not attempt to but he will say it in the episode and some other ones there and they're gasped because we sound, we sound so different and like as he says it's 30 minute of life Dublin to Liverpool like how is that possible yeah it's also well, look sure I suppose in Ireland we have 46 different accents in loud alone so um, but anyway I'm going to stop waffling I'm going to let you guys enjoy this lovely chat with Mr Jake Carter Hello. Hello. How's things? Good. Thanks for doing this short note. It was fair play to you. Uh, come here. This is actually the, the first week in like three weeks that I, I actually don't have much on. So I'm happy enough to be honest to be doing something. <laughs> then at least when Karen comes home from dance practice, I'm like, no, I'm do- I did do stuff today. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. She, she normally expects the whole place to be clean. So when I've got something on, I, I have an excuse. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Well, I appreciate it because I know you have a few things to um, plug. So we'll definitely get chatting about um, the the single and the stuff that you and Karen are doing. But I'm going to go back to the start and kick kick things off. Obviously, anyone who hears your accent knows you're a scouser. Yeah. (laughs) Born and bred. Tell me, uh, like, what was it like? So was it yourself and Nathan and you have a sister as well, is it? We do, yeah. So I've got an old, I was the youngest of three. So I'm the uh, the baby, the spoiled one. Um, and then my sister, is she's 18 months older than me, so we were quite close in age. And then Nathan is eight years older than me. So he was the first child. Then Kira came along, and then there was me. Wow. So, like, it was a busy house. I have three sisters, so I know that there's a lot. It's just a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, because I think Nathan was that little bit older, we really got along like we we never really fought whereas me and my sister because we were like similar in age we were the two that were always fighting and arguing and um whatever one person had the other person wanted and then when Kira actually got her first phone I wanted a phone as well and then when I got my first phone at the same time she wasn't happy because I was younger and why is he allowed a phone when he was when I was his age I wasn't allowed a phone so all that kind of stuff yeah so um but we would be quite close as a family anyway I am totally on your sister's side in this one because I'm the eldest. <laughs> and whenever I had to fight to go to the teenage discos or any of that stuff, and then, you know, the sisters that came along afterwards and my mom would be like, oh, it's fine. Nothing. She's, it seemed okay she's when she did it. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, I had to beg for months. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that always happens with that kind of middle child or if they've got a younger sibling. Um, yeah, we often get away with a lot more. And like... A lot of people I've had on the podcast, like, they, you know, they're very, you know, advanced in their careers and everything like that, but they didn't actually initially want to be a singer or an actor or that. Was singing what you wanted to do or did you have like another thing in mind? Yeah, no, it was always kind of performing. I never really seen myself as doing anything else. Um, from the age of, 
about 16 or 17, I, I started gigging and earning money from gigging. Um, but music was always around, like, from a very young age. I remember going along to, um, there was an Irish Irish centre in Liverpool called St. Michael's, where we would go every Monday to learn kind of trad Irish music. So I started playing the Balron at, like, the age of three. Um, I wouldn't go as far as saying playing it, actually just hitting it. But there's actually pictures of me, like, sitting on a little stool, because I always went along, because Nathan, obviously, he was around about 11 then, so he was playing the accordion. My sister was playing the tin whistle. And then when I got a bit older, I started playing the fiddle. And then a little bit older again, then I think probably around the age of 10, um, I picked up the guitar then. And yeah, so music was just always around. And then as it got a little bit older, because Nathan was eight years older, I'd seen what he was doing even before he moved over to Ireland. Like I'd see him gigging in like pubs and clubs and wherever would kind of have gigs on and I, I was always around that so I think that was a massive influence on me so when I did get a little bit older than 16 17 I could start earning money it was a huge thing and I, I couldn't believe it at the time I remember being in sixth form which is like so in over in Liverpool we have like GCSEs and then A-levels mm. and I just started doing my A-levels and I got my first van and started gigging and was earning like really good money for my age so it was always a thing of, yeah, I didn't ever want to do anything else. My dad was a builder. Well, he still is a builder. And I'd done like a couple of weeks building with him over the years and would never want to do that. You know, anyone who's like a builder or a carpenter, any laborer, it's just such hard work like for what they're doing. And I, I definitely take my hat off to them because... I think if I wasn't doing music, I probably would have ended up doing something like that. But touch wood, I'll stick with music <laughs> now. It's a lot easier. A lot less sore on the hands. Yeah, definitely. And a lot less working outside in the rain. And the singing, you exactly. can be like, oh, I'm in the studio or in, in a like console or in a pub. It's less, yeah. I'm not to have rooms and try not to die. <laughs> exactly, yeah, completely. I actually remember two weeks that I did work with him. Oh, the, the World Cup was on at the time. So I'm trying to think when this would have been. Uh, probably like 2014, maybe I could be correct, or maybe it was even earlier. But yeah, I remember I I was in they were ripping out these flats for like two weeks, and it was pure dirty work, like coming home and like blowing your nose, and there's just black soot coming out your nose, and oh, it was just awful. Like sitting there having lunch, and there's just like rubble, and oh, it was just yeah. I think that put me off for life, to be honest. <laughs> Life is a lot cleaner now. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) It's funny, though, because obviously I've lived here all my life. I lived abroad, but never lived in the UK. And my best friends, a couple of them live in Manchester. And the Irish communities, it's like what you said, you know, going to learn trad and that. They are so active in places like Liverpool and Manchester between Irish dancing and singing and, you know, trad music and bars. And there's so many Irish bars in both cities. That's such a strange concept, I suppose, for us living here. But like when you look back at that now, it was obviously a really good community to be part of. Definitely, yeah. And I mean, it's I think it's because it is so close. There's so many different people in Liverpool or Manchester or especially the northwest of England that have Irish connections, whether it be family have moved over or moved away. Like my nan, the whole story of how we have an Irish connection actually is my nan on my mum's side. Her parents were going to go to America 
and get the boat on Liverpool from the docks and they got robbed in Liverpool and then they had to stay. So that's the the story behind how we all, I guess, ended up Scousers. So like that, I think most people's heritage in Liverpool, they have some sort of Irish in them and they do say it's like the 33rd county. So <laughs> it, it's it's always, we were always around it, you know, and we, we competed in like the Flakioles from a very young age. So every summer... We'd be moving, we'd be over in Ireland, sorry, on, on like holidays and competing in the flowers. And it was just kind of something that was always there. I guess, strangely enough, we always, all, always kind of felt part Irish because we were always around that. Mm. What did your English friends think? Because they, the ones who don't have the Irish connections are like, what the hell is a flag kill? And why are yeah. you dancing? And what is that Bowron thing that you're bass smashing over there in the corner? <laughs> Yeah, I guess to them it was probably strange and you know what's what's kind of weird is probably that's one of the main reasons I ever picked up the guitar was because people were like, you play the fiddle? What's what's the fiddle? So it kind of wasn't the coolest of instruments, I guess, especially with girls and stuff. So then when I got a bit older, it was like, okay, maybe I'll focus a little bit more on playing guitar and singing and I actually haven't played the fiddle since I was probably about the age of 16 and I I actually just got my old fiddle there last year like refurbished and brought back to life so might try and pick it up again at some stage over the next 12 months when I have a bit of time off. Oh your new year's resolutions then already. (laughs) (laughs) Well so that's that's like it's a great community to be part of, obviously, for you. And it's worked out really well for both yourself and Nathan and that. But like where, you know, you were in watching Nathan move on. How quickly, like, did you watch him, I suppose, go from pubs to being that little bit bigger? Um, I mean, looking back now, it, it seems like it wasn't that long, but it, it definitely was a good few years before his career t- like took off. I remember from the age of 13, I could fly by myself with Ryanair. So I remember like, saving up all my pocket money and booking flights and not telling my mum or my dad that I'd booked flights and just saying to Nathan, oh, I'm coming over this weekend. I'm I'm free. I'm off school for a week. So I think around that time then when I was like 13, maybe 14, like Nathan was still gigging in like hotels and smaller kind of venues. And it was just kind of the start of him kind of growing I guess and getting a, a lot bigger so I was always around that buzz from that very early age and I think then that that was a huge influence on me then saying right this is what I want to do as well I've, I've seen what he can do so why can't I do it do you know what I mean um, and I guess subliminally without me even knowing that was kind of my mind was made up and then when I did I started gigging in in kind of England, in the Northwest and all over, about the age of 16, 17 and 18. And then there was a, a fella from Navan, actually, who was managing me for the first kind of three or four years that I started out. He asked me would I move over um, and put a band together and we started gigging at summer festivals. We put a little tour on and I kind of just came over thinking, yeah, let's let's give it a go. And then everything just exploded. I ended up doing pantomimes, which was mad because I'd never acted a day in my life. But I got asked to play the role of Aladdin in the SSE arena in Belfast, which was crazy. Uh, that was a, a great experience. Nadia Ford was playing Jasmine at the time. And I remember just a few years before she was on I'm a Celebrity. So I remember telling all my friends like back in Liverpool, that, oh yeah, I'm doing Aladdin and Nadia Ford's Jasmine. And they were like, no way. So that was like crazy. And then kind of a few months after that, fast forward again, I got asked to be on Dancing with the Stars. And then my career just kind of 
exploded from there. It was it was crazy. So it all happened so quick when I moved over as well. It was it was just kind of a roller coaster few years right up until COVID hit, and then we're back to kind of square one now. Now, that is so irritating in one sense because obviously your career gets like a bit of rhythm to it and stuff like that. And whereas from maybe the public's point of view, maybe the first time they knew you was on Dance with the Stars or something like that. And they're like, oh, he's seen was to come out of nowhere. But you're like, no, I've been gigging all over the UK and I've I've been working. And it's funny how sometimes that comes across. Like if people don't know you are not a fan a long time, they just think you come out of nowhere. Definitely, yeah. And I mean, I, I guess my career at the start was quite quick in when you look at, I was literally only probably living in Ireland for less than, I think it was probably less than 12 months when I was on Dancing with the Stars. But yeah, it, it definitely is. I mean, music as a career is is definitely not an easy choice. And I think every musician, every live act, gig and act, studio act, whatever type of musician they are, will tell you the same. You know, it's not an easy path to go. But I think when you are a musician and it's it's your life, it's not really you don't really have a choice. Like, I can't see myself ever doing anything else like that. I could never see myself being a builder. I think just once once you're so young and you're learning music and you're around it from such a young age, you don't really know anything else other than that. As cliche as it sounds, it kind of is your life. Do you know what I mean? And was it like conscious decision by you or uh, to kind of go away from the countryside, obviously what Nathan was doing and going to more pop music and like to separate yourselves was that something you decided or was it just kind of the the genre you were interested in yeah I mean I guess so yeah but I guess kind of both things I was always much more into pop music than I was into country music like I love I do love country music I like listening to it just um I was just always much more into the likes of McFly was the was the first gig I remember going to actually so the likes of McFly and Take That and Robbie Williams and all them acts growing up I loved but like even now like a lot of the American country acts I would have went to see them when I was a little bit younger and like it's funny when you listen to them because it's it's very much just pop with maybe like an added banjo or something it's it's not really <laughs> different and I think the term country in Ireland, like country music is so sparse. Like you've got like Irish country music, then you've got like country and Western music, Celtic music. Like even if you listen to like the stuff that Nathan does, it's, it's not really country, most of it. So it's funny that the whole branding of, of country music, I think in Ireland is, is such a, such a huge genre that it spans probably like five or six genres. So. But yeah, I think when I first started out, I definitely wanted to be different. I wanted to be myself and I didn't want to just kind of follow what Nathan was doing. Um, and I think a lot of people expected me to do that. Like, I think even people now who don't know what type of music it is that I do would just presume that it was like country music as such. Do you know what I mean? I understand. My sister was like in the same industry as me in media before when um, I started first, she followed in, she's younger. So similar to yourselves, but like she got more successful than me. And I remember being like, I really want, people would ask me, was I going to go in to do the same sort of media as her? And I was like, no, I'm my own person. But then there's also like, well, I saw her now on primetime the other day and all this this (laughs) compare and contrast. I was so delighted when she bloody decided not to do it anymore. I was like, God, just for like, it must be really irritating people like constantly comparing you or like, you know, assuming you're the same. But that, yeah, you know it's, it's funny. Like, I mean, at this stage, it's kind of just like water off a duck's back. Like I'm so used to it. Like for years, kind of even 
Dance with the Stars was a huge thing for me and it was a huge platform then. But like for definitely for the first kind of few years of me starting out, it was literally, oh, you're you're Nathan's brother. So and still now to this day, you have people coming up and saying, Oh, you're you're Nathan's brother and stuff. But I guess I, I owe a lot to Nathan. I wouldn't be where I am without him. But yeah, it do, it does get to a stage sometimes when you're like, you know, I am my own person. And I guess that was one of the huge reasons why I, I did want to kind of carve my own path. But it, like I said, it has its benefits as well. Like I wouldn't be where I am without Nathan and I am his brother. And that is a, that is a great thing as well, but it, it can as well at stages get me like, okay, yeah, no, I am Jake. Yeah. Like I imagine when they first approached you for Dance with the Stars, it was like, okay, you're Nathan's brother. You're new to the scene. This is mm-hmm. a good chance for you. But then the sh- a show like Dance with the Stars gives the public a chance to know you as opposed to like if you were an actor and they only knew your character, you know, it's like, no, here I am. I'm that person. And now for you, this was like, yes, you know me as Nathan's brother, but this is my chance to show you I'm Jake. Completely, yeah. And like, look, I, I I completely get that I wouldn't have been on Dancing with the Stars if it wasn't for Nathan. Like, as I said, I was, wasn't was even living in Ireland for like 12 months. I think we'd probably done maybe 10 or 12 gigs max as a band when I was on the show. So it's it's like I completely understand that. But now, I guess going forward, it's kind of I want to kind of prove people wrong over the like over the next few years and the last few years that, you know, I am my own person and this is what I do. I'm not just a carbon copy of of what Nathan has done in the past. And I think, I guess, looking back, it, it's probably a much harder route to take. Like, if I was just to go down the country route, I probably would have gotten a lot more gigs, a lot more different opportunities because it's just what Nathan had done, but it's just not who I am and it's not what I would have wanted to do. So sometimes I guess the, the harder road is, is, is what you kind of want to do in life. And that's, that's what I did from the start. I think that, though, is a good thing because, like you say, let's say if I was organising a country festival and I wanted Nathan, he couldn't go. And if you were doing country, it's like, well, we'll get him then. And he's, you know, it's the next thing. Whereas that would have been a lot easier for you to just go, yeah, well, sure, I'll fill in when he's not there and eventually I'll build up my own. But this way you're going, that's, I'm really proud of my brother. I love what he does, but this is the road I'm going this direction. And you have to work that little bit harder for it. Completely, yeah. Yeah, no, I think so. And especially the pop scene in Ireland as well at at this current stage, there's so many good up and coming young pop acts. Like Ireland is so blessed, like with the amount of unreal music that is coming from it at, at this point in time. It's definitely a tough industry to try and break, but I, I love the challenge as well on that side of it. I love I love seeing other artists doing really well. And it's it's great to see. And, you know, it's it's just so good. Like, there's so many good acts to name a few, like even the likes of Ryan Mack. You've got Amy, you've Wild Youth, you've Josh Gray. There's there's loads of really good up and coming pop acts at the minute in Ireland. And it's it's great to be a part of that. And so where did you move to in Ireland when you left Liverpool first? So I moved to Enniskillen in County Fermanagh, which is where Nathan was living. So he moved out of his house and I moved in with him and we started renting our own house for kind of the first first couple of years. And then Nathan ended up buying a house and I moved in with him. And then at this stage now, I'm kind of 50% in Dublin, 50% in Enniskillen. I'm kind of like a yo-yo up and down. There's that many miles on the uh on the pickup truck at this stage. Um, but yeah, it's great. And Enniskillen's a lovely town. Like it's real, it's a real small 
but big town if that makes sense so like everyone knows everyone and i love going up there because it's it's just like being in in a different a completely different world like especially to dublin dublin is very like liverpool it's very city it's very hustle and bustle like you're in town you could walk around and like people don't know who you are they don't even talk to you they don't even say hello whereas when you go back to Enniskillen it's always like oh hiya Jake how are you blah blah and they want to catch up so so it's great having the best of both worlds but yeah it was it was definitely a big change when I first moved over from Liverpool to Enniskillen um, I think I was 17 or 18 18 at the time and everyone knew everything about you so like if you went out for a drink everyone knew the next day. Do you know what I mean? If you're on a date with someone, everyone knew. There was no, like, there was no privacy whatsoever. Oh, small town Ireland. You're at the bottom of the town and the person at the top of the town knows what you're doing as you're doing it. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. Like, it used to be mad, I remember, like, getting a taxi and not even having to tell the taxi driver where to go. Do you know what I mean? They just know where you live. <laughs> That is a very big culture shock coming from Liverpool where like literally you couldn't get the same taxi driver twice if you tried. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And you know what, it was, it was great at the time. Like I, as I said, I was starting out and when I wasn't gigging at that age, I was partying and I was having a great time. So so it was it was a huge contrast to my life in Liverpool, but I loved I loved every second of it. And then they get, they phone you up and the, or to you're like, Mary, do you want to go on this show, Dance with the Stars? You must have been like, this is unreal. Like, this is the boost in, like, you could have done 50 gigs and it wouldn't have given you the exposure that you would get from a show like that. Yeah, definitely. It was a, it was a big, a big shock to the system whenever I was on Dance with the Stars because I'd, I'd watched Strictly before in England and I, I hadn't really watched Dance with the Stars because I wasn't living in Ireland at the time. So I, I didn't really know what I was getting myself in for, if that makes sense. Like I knew obviously it was the biggest show on Irish television. And when I did get the gig, I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is amazing. And, but I think I expected at the time to maybe, get past week one and go out second or you know I didn't expect to be there I didn't expect to win the show at all I I didn't even expect to get halfway to be honest I just thought it was such a a great thing for me and for my music and to have this platform to to be able to go on but then when I was on the show and I think anyone else that's been on the show will tell you you just become obsessed with it like it's like you're in this little bubble and there's there's nothing else in the world when you're on the show uh, like we had gigs when we were on it and I remember like postponing them because I was like, I just don't have time to gig. Like I'm, I'm way too busy. And at the time as well, I, I was obviously then living in Enniskillen for a while. And then I moved up to Dublin while I was on the show. We were living in Spencer Dock. They put us up in the apartment. I was living Very with, nice. You no, know, very fancy. So I was this 19 year old living in Spencer Dock with Rob Heffernan, the race walker who was, he was he actually turned 40 the year that we were on the show. He'll hate me telling you that. But he was away from home who where he had like four kids and his wife. So he was like going back in time to when he was my age. So the <laughs> two of us together was was like, uh, it was a great combination, to be honest. We we uh, we absolutely loved every aspect of the show, and including the parties after. So it was, again, it was a, a huge change to my life for that kind of four months that we were on the show like don't get me wrong it was it was a lot of hard work but it was it was an absolute roller coaster of a time and I know that's very cliche to say but it was like I went from gigging maybe every weekend 
in like to a, a couple of hundred people, maybe a hundred people and some festivals. I remember the first festival we did actually, we were on with the stunning with the headliners and the riptide movements were on. And then we were like the bottom of this festival. It was called Cree Festival in Ross Cray in Tipperary. And like we, we were the first act on. So I kind of went from that to, we did our own headline tour maybe with 150 people at each show was amazing. Do you know what I mean? Some shows there was probably only 80 people to then going on Dancing with the Stars to walking around Dublin and people stopping you to get a picture. It was like, it was crazy. And I remember actually one morning, me and Rob, it was after the first week, we we partied a lot that Sunday night because we got the first week out and we were actually off the next week. It was the girls dancing the next week. So we were like, do you know what? We're going to... We're going to absolutely love tonight. It was a Sunday night. And then the next morning we woke up and we were sitting outside Cafe Nero in Spencerstock. And we were a little bit worse for wear. And we were laughing and joking. And I remember this reporter, I won't say who he was or who he works for, but I remember him just chatting to us. And it was only at the end of the conversation that he actually told us he was a reporter and that he worked for a certain newspaper. And we were like... Oh yeah, and it, when he left, we were like, "What were we saying?" Like, because we were still hanging. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, "Oh, I hope that's not going to come out in the papers tomorrow." But yeah, it was it was a great time. Like, it was it was one of the best, and probably will be one of the best memories of my of my entire life. And obviously, I met Karen on the show then as well, so my life completely changed from then on. And tell me, where did you like your story, yours and Karen's? Obviously, you know, we met on the show, but where did it kind of go from, like? I am a celebrity and you're the pro to like, hey, I kind of like you and will we go on a date or what? How did yeah, that I mean, It was probably a couple of months after the show, I asked her to go to a couple of festivals. And I think that was when it was like more as like more than just friends. Do you know what I mean? But when we were on the show, we just grew so close together as friends. And I think that's why it worked. And I think that's now as well why our relationship has lasted so long is because we were just really good friends before we started kind of seeing seeing each other. And everyone, like, even when you say that to people, they're like, yeah, all right, I'm sure it was, like, week six. But it was like, no, it was literally, like, we didn't have time to do anything other than dance when we were on the show. We were obsessed with it. And I think the longer I got into into the show as as the weeks progressed and I was still getting through, I, I just couldn't believe it. And I was like, you know what? This is amazing. I'm just going to work really, really hard and try and get to the next week. And I remember the semi-finals of the show, I was actually in the dance-off and I was like, oh no, this is it. Like so close. Um, but I was I was buzzing because I was like, you know what? I've got this far. And then when we did get through and I was in the final, I was like, well, I'm not going to win it. So let's just enjoy it. Let's just put on a show. And and then when we did win, it was just, it, it, I think it was crazy because everyone expected, I was in the final with Anna Geary and Deirdre O'Kane, who were obviously like two massive people in their kind of fields, whether it be with Camogie or Deirdre with the comedy, like they were really well known and really well established. So I was like, you know, I don't stand a chance of winning this. So let's just dance and let's just enjoy it. And then when I did win, then that was another huge shock. And it was just, it was just amazing. And then I think after the show then, when I wasn't with Karen every day, I think that's when I realised, you know, I actually do miss this girl as maybe Aww. something more than more than just friends. That's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> You're making everyone, me blush now. Everyone assumes like that these kind of romances are like the strictly romances. So like that you're, you know, dancing so close together every day and that you end up having a quick smooch down the back and you're telling me you waited all the whole way through the series. I and know. Then, well, yeah. the festival. 
<laughs> the thing is that we went to like Ed Sheeran and then I went to talk to like a picture this concert. They were both like summer outdoorsy festivals. And I think that's where we kind of started the romance. Were you hiding it for a while because like of the show? At, like being Yeah, yeah, definitely. When we started, it was a huge thing. We didn't want people to know because people would have just thought, oh, they must have been seeing each other from the start. And <laughs> and I didn't want that. You know what I mean? We didn't want it to be like, oh, the Strictly curse and all that. So I think for the first few months, we definitely tried to keep it under wraps. But it's kind of hard to do that when when everyone has a phone nowadays and everyone knows everything. So yeah, we, we kept it on the wraps for as long as we were able to. And then I think one of the newspapers eventually put it out and then we had to be like, yeah, okay, this, this is more than friends. And now like you live together, you have your own business together, you have a dog. We do. He's asleep actually in front of me. I'm not going to turn the camera around because I was meant to be cleaning and this place is a mess, but he's actually asleep on his bed in front of me. Yeah, Lenny. I see him on Instagram. He's so cute. And you guys, I, I love your TikToks that you do. I knew you put them on Instagram as well, yourself and Karen, the Scouser versus the Dub. I find them yeah. hilarious because like I see my own friends with different accents. I'm like, why do you pronounce it like that? Like one that I saw today was Sterling, which I will say like Karen, but obviously you say it in a different accent. Um. Yeah, you know, it's funny, Joe. We, we, we started them a few months ago, like, and it's something we always joked about me and Karen because we have such different accents. And there's one of the days I was like, you know, what? I'm going to put this on TikTok and see what way people actually say this because I think people say it like me and you pe- think people say it like you. So, and it's mad. Like now people come up and they stop me in the, in the street and stuff and they're like, Oh, you're, you're the fella that does the accent thing. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's what I'm known as now. I was actually flying to Spain to do a gig a couple of a couple of months ago, and I was sitting next to a, a lovely woman, and she was really nice. But that's the way that she actually started the conversation. She was like, "Oh, I seen you on TikTok. You're that scouse lad, aren't you? And you you you're with the dub." I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She didn't know I was a singer or that I was on Dance with the Stars or anything else about myself. She just knew me as this scouse lad from TikTok. Oh my God. Well, look, isn't it? At this day and age, you have to be have your hand in like all pies. And eventually, it, somebody yeah. will know you from one of them and might find <laughs> the other thing that you do. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'm trying to be as busy as possible at these days with there's loads of different projects on. So I, I don't even know myself what I am at this stage. Yeah. That must be like, yeah, strange because like predominantly, like your main focus is that you're a singer, but you do have, you know, your business with Karen. And you do TikToks together. So it's kind of like an in, not an influencer style, but it's like a social media side as well. And, but I'm sure that your record company probably want you to do lots of TikToks because it drives more people to your, like, to your websites and to your music then. Definitely. That's it. And I think the joy of TikTok in this day and age is that anyone from anywhere can literally post a video and it can like get a million views like that. It doesn't matter who you are. You don't have to have a following. Do you know what I mean? And that's what happened, I guess, with them accent videos. Like compared to like my music stuff, they would get like hundreds of thousands of views like in a day. And then I'm like, but I'm actually a singer. So listen to my new music. So it's, it's constantly a battle to try and like, to try and get the the two matching up. But you know what? It's it's more more so like a fun thing for me. Like I know a lot of music artists nowadays, they have to be like creators. They have to constantly be thinking, right, I need to post something today. I need to put a video up. I need to go and film this. I need to go and do that, that, that. Whereas years ago, all they had to worry about was going to the studio, writing music, recording it and releasing it. And then everyone else did everything else for them. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's definitely a a, a different world now. But 
I, I think when when it gets to a stage where you're like posting every day because you have to, that's when it's like it's not enjoyable and people see that. You know what I mean? So I try to just kind of post whenever we have something fun that we can put up and people enjoy. And it's it's mad like people get so into it as well, like how you say something or the way you say something, and then like, no, you're saying it wrong. And I'm like, well, that's just because I'm from Liverpool I'm an, and I'm a scouser. <laughs> so it's it's funny in that in that aspect as well. Like yeah, and like I think I, I there's so many people that come up my TikTok or my Instagram that like I don't know the backstory when I first start following them, and then you know you're like I really like their funny videos, and then maybe like you'll put up one of your music and go, oh Jesus, Jake's a singer as well. All right, Grant. Yeah, it's like your man. Do you know your man Garen who does yes. the TikToks of like follow me, I'm delicious. That fella, <laughs> like he's an unreal singer. He's really really good, but loads of people don't even know he's a singer because he has these hilarious TikToks. So, um, that that's a that's one amazing example of that. You know what I mean? And he's got loads of fans as well that have found out he's a singer from TikTok like that so it's such a different platform than what we've been used to over the last kind of 10 years but I, I think it's it's great and it really is good in in getting people that are that no one knows like like that with music and stuff and all of a sudden everyone can know them and a song can become a massive hit just from like a TikTok video it's like you have a single out now, like Milk and Honey, it's called if anyone hasn't heard it, go listen. <laughs> but how hard is it now promoting something like that? Because as you said, years ago, I would know myself, I would get like, you know, press release in, then suddenly hear it on every radio station in all over the place. Now I find that like I hear the same song 50 times, but I don't. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and then on the other side, I'll hear the same song on TikTok all the time, but they'll never really kind of be the same song do you know what I mean yeah it's tough yeah and like I'm I'm an independent artist so I don't have a record label or anything and I think for anyone else in Ireland who is independent it's extremely tough like one of the hardest things to do is get your music on radio Um, like I I have a PR team as well for this single and it's even then it's still it's so hard to get new music on radio because because I guess there's so much new music out there and there's so many record labels pushing to different radio stations and they have to play that music because it's coming from a record label and that's just the way the scene works so it is tough and the likes of TikTok and Instagram and stuff like that can be another route to get your song to to become much more viral and much more played but it's definitely this comes back to what I said at the, the very start of the interview like the music industry is it's not an easy thing to do and um, it's tough and I think if you're not thick skinned even at this stage now like I'm doing this for the last kind of what five six probably eight years now if you don't have a thick skin it's it's not it's not for you do you know what I mean you're going to get much more knockbacks than you are people kind of giving you a helping hand and um, it definitely is one of the toughest industries I think there is out there but if you don't, if you weren't a lover of it, if you're, if you're not in it for the right reasons, I think that shows very quick. I mean, as I said, I love music and I couldn't see myself doing anything else. So even if it is constantly knockbacks, I'm never going to do anything other than what I'm doing. Do you know what I mean? I totally get that from, from my perspective of podcasts. Like I will do an interview with somebody and I'm like, this is it, lads. This is the one that's going to go huge. We've had, we've got deep. We've talked amazing stuff. We've laughed, whatever it is. And that'll be the one that like doesn't go anywhere or doesn't get as many hits. And there'll be a random one that a clip on TikTok will get loads of people watching. You're like, and you're like, what? This person isn't even really that famous or whatever. (laughs) Last week I had this American superstar or whatever. But I do it like the days where I'm kind of like, oh my God. I'm just like, do you know what? I love what I do. I love when I'm talking to people. And like you say, if it's only getting this, like if it was 150 people turning up to you or 150 people listening to me, I'm like, well, it's 150 who bother. Exactly. You know? 
That's it. I mean, I think even now, if I wasn't doing what I'm doing, I would still probably be singing in a pub to maybe five or six people because you just love doing it. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not like it is a job. Don't get me wrong, but for me, because I enjoy what I'm doing, whether that be singing with the band, whether that be recording, write music, pantomimes, you know, stage shows, musicals, whatever it is, I just love doing it, and and that's why I still do it to this day because it's it's for the love of it. Now, obviously, you still have to earn money and you still have to live in this life, but it's great that I'm able to kind of earn a living out of what I love doing. But was it really important for you to kind of have other things going as well? Like, I know you're doing the panto night this year and you have this dance club thing that you're doing with Karen as well, as well as the music. Like, is it important for you to have these just for the times when the single's not getting played or you don't have a new single coming out? Yeah, and you know what? I think I was always a bit of an entrepreneur from the age of, I remember when I was like, 13 or 14 me and my one of my friends from school actually we we started a business called sj enterprises his name was sam and i was jacob or jake as i'm now known and one halloween we actually went around and we knocked on everyone's doors and sold pumpkins so it was like three pound for a pumpkin or i think it was four or maybe two pound for a pump a pumpkin or three pound fifty for a carved pumpkin and i remember we actually ended up selling something like I think it was like 80 odd pumpkins. It was crazy. And we rang, I remember ringing this wholesalers with like a real high pitched kids voice being like, can you let us know what your price on pumpkins is, please, mate? And I think the pumpkins were like 60p a pumpkin because it was from a wholesalers. So I, I actually drove with my nan. She, she drove me to this like, it was like a real ropey business estate in off edge lane in Liverpool and filled the car with like 80 odd pumpkins. Like the back, it was like a Honda Civic. The back of the car was like this. Um, but yeah, we earned like a few hundred quid each. So I think I was always had a business mind on me from a young age. And I think now as well, I always have to have something else going on. So like obviously music is my main focus, but. We've just launched actually a, a brand new venture, myself and Karen and two of the other pro dancers from Dance with the Stars, Ke- uh, Stephen and Kylie, have just launched a, a business called Dance Into Christmas, which is basically like an online advent calendar for dance classes. So every day you get to open a new door and there's a video behind that door. That, so it could be a dance class. It could be an interview. We've got like special celeb guests. There's loads of like challenges, dance challenges, like stupid challenges, like how many marshmallows can you fit in the mouth uh, and all fun content like that. So we've just launched that as well. And then me and Karen have the stage school. I've got a music school as well. So yeah, it, it just really is kind of, I think if I'm not doing something, that's when I go a little bit depressed and I'm like, oh, I need to do something. And so I think I do have that entrepreneurial kind of brain as well as kind of love and doing music. So I've always got something on the go, whether it be selling pumpkins or writing new music. Because I imagine, like you mentioned COVID earlier, like even coming off Dancing Stars, like there must be a high than a really big low because you are like doing this full every single day. Everyone's coming up to you in Dublin after Dancing Stars and you're like dancing 12 hours and, you know, performing on the Sunday and then it's over. And then you're kind of, release a new music or whatever and then there's like a little bit of a lull where it's not full on and you're thinking I should be enjoying this I should be lying lying in and taking a breath but there's this sense of like oh god what if this is it now definitely yeah and I know a lot of different celebs from Dance with Stars from chatting with them in the past they all experienced that funny enough there's a big drop and um 
like everyone's always checking up on everyone after Dance with the Stars. I think I was a bit lucky in the sense of as soon as I finished, we went on tour. We did a really successful tour, which was amazing. Then I kind of went on holiday and then I was into summer festivals. So that year was was great. But then kind of, again, I hate talking about it, but COVID was like, it was a massive thing of, oh, right, there's no gigs for like over a year. There was no kind of, prospect of gigs there was it was a huge shock to the system from like two years of really really loads of gigs kind of constantly on the go constantly being busy to like bang there was nothing so that was a huge a huge thing and it was a big setback i guess for like two years where you just couldn't do anything it was it was like pointless releasing music because you couldn't gig you couldn't get out to promote it everyone was in the same situation do you know what I mean not just music acts so it was kind of it was a strange period but now I do feel like we're kind of back to where we were no sorry Brian Redmond is ringing me there because like, how <laughs> random is that <laughs> I've just buttoned them by the way so but yeah so it's 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 crazy and I do think now though that we're kind of back to getting back to where I was and it's great to kind of have new music out. We're back gigging February the 3rd of next year. We're in the Academy in Dublin along with MCD. So that's like, that's great for me. That's like, okay, we're getting back out there and I haven't actually done a gig in Dublin, I think in like two or three years, like a headline show. So I can't wait to, to kind of, do that and then get back to gigging back with a full EP ready to release with a new single coming out then in January after this one. So I really do feel like I'm kind of getting back to where I was and my brain is constantly on the go these last kind of few months. And, and I think that's, that's where I work best. I think when I'm not doing something, that's when I'm like a little bit, I hate the word depressed because I, I don't ever see myself as being in like depressed or like suffering with depression, but definitely feeling down when I'm not doing stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like hard to get yourself motivated when your brain is not working the way that it normally does. So sometimes the same as you, I could be like, I'm so stressed out. I have 17 things to do. And then I'm like, oh my God, you know what would be brilliant? I'm like, wait, where are you going to find the time to do this? Yeah, that's it completely, completely. And and I think that is funny that you say that. That's exactly how my brain works. If I have nothing on, then that's when I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? But if I've loads on, like at the minute, like it's just then new ideas just constantly start coming. And you're like, oh, I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to do this. I need to do that. I actually need to get rid of my PlayStation as well, because that's one thing that I do end up like doing. I'm like, right, put FIFA away. You need to do this. <laughs> Everyone needs advice. If that's your advice. Yeah. Jake, I think that's fine. <laughs> I'm a typical, like, I still haven't grown up. Karen's like, are you coming to bed? I'm like, oh, I'm just playing FIFA. Give me half an hour. <laughs> Three in the morning, still playing. And she's been asleep for four hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're dancing to Christmas thing that you guys are doing. Is that, like, for businesses or is that for like people like me at home or what is it kind of? It's for, yeah, it's basically for everyone, like all ages um, kind of anyone that wants to do it. It's you just down, it's a downloadable link and then you get that to your phone or your iPad or your laptop and then every day you open the door and there's a video there so you can watch it at any time throughout the day and on the run up till Christmas. So the, the video isn't open until that day but then you get to watch it every day up until the very end of December. So it's great and one of the things that we wanted to do as well was kind of keep people active on the run up till Christmas because everyone feels like, oh, do you know, I'm eating more. I feel rubbish because I'm not doing anything so we were like let's get this thing going where it's like create a bit of a community there's like 15 to 20 minutes in a video not every video is a dance class 
Some of them you can just kind of watch and enjoy, but then over half of them are dance classes that you can get involved in and, you know, brush up on your dance skills for any kind of festive outings that you have over Christmas. Oh God, I feel like I need it for the week between Christmas and New Year's. I'll be like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. binge all of them then. Just I know. I, and you know what? I love mince pies and I'm on like, uh, I'm on a plan at the minute, like a diet, a diet plan and training. And all I want to do is buy mince pies. And I'm walking, I was actually walking through Aldi today. And I was like, Oh, I love them mince pies, but I'm really, I'm trying to not do it until probably the week of Christmas then. I'll just and indulge. Seven boxes in one day. <laughs> yeah, completely. <laughs> and like, how do your family back home, like, they? what do they think of the fact that both you and your brother moved to Ireland and basically became like household names here? Like, th- is it weird to them or are they just like, right, there they go? Yeah, I, I think I think because with Nathan, he'd done it kind of before me. I think then when I did it, it wasn't like, this sounds terrible, but it wasn't as big of a deal. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> But definitely to like my mates, like my best mate, Paul, he comes over every few months and like we were at a festival. I was gigging at a festival in Arklo actually over summer and he came to the festival and all and like people were coming up and asking pictures for me and he's standing there. He's like, why do you want a picture with him? Do you know what I mean? So like it is very funny then when when I see stuff like that. But my mum and dad are always so supportive. Like they, they love what we're doing and they they try to get over every few months and like Liverpool's only half an hour on a flight so I try and fly back once a month but yeah they 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 love it like and I think though they were kind of a little bit used to it by the time I got to the stage that I'm at but yeah it's definitely a, a huge kind of shock for like when I'm walking around Liverpool like no one knows me do you know what I mean I'm I'm just I'm just me whereas then like when sometimes when you walk around Dublin and people stop you and ask for a picture it's like why do they want a picture with me? It's a bit strange. Yeah, I think if my friend suddenly got famous now, I'd be like, what the, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. You'd be slagging them to the person who wants the picture. You know? That's <laughs> it, yeah. That's Paul to a T, yeah. He's he's like, yeah, why do you want a picture with him? <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I wonder, do you think, ever think if you or Nathan or both of you hadn't moved to Ireland, do you think the career would have taken off in the way it's taken off? Um, No, no, I, I definitely think... I mean, who knows? Like, I obviously would have done something different if I was trying to do what I'm doing in Liverpool, but I definitely wouldn't have been where I am so quick. Like, I wouldn't have, like, the likes of Dance with the Stars and, like, other TV shows that I've done, like Hell Week and, um, like, there's, there's loads of different stuff, but I wouldn't have had them opportunities without living over here. So I think it has been a, a huge, huge impact on my career, yeah. You probably would have ended up on Love Island and then be like, while I'm here, I'm also a singer. Do, 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 do. <laughs> yeah, Nathan always said that for years until I met Karen. He's like, you should just go on Love Island. I'm like, no, I don't <laughs> think I could ever do that now, to be honest. Nathan's suggesting you, but not suggesting himself. Fair play. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. He always says that I love myself, but he actually loves himself more, I think, nowadays. Like, I remember whenever I start, like, when I do photo shoots and stuff, I'm a bit mad. Like, I do random stuff, like... We've actually just shot a music video for Milk and Honey and the last shot is basically me being drenched in milk and honey. Like, and the photographer that was there, she took a picture of me and like my jacket's like half off and I'm like in milk and honey and like Nathan straight away was like, oh, you love yourself. And it's like, then he's using the same photographer and he's doing other pictures and I'm like, you're just, you're just the exact same as me, don't lie. So yeah, you have to love yourself before you can love anyone else. That's what I always say. 
Very, very true. And also, that must have been a very horrific shower to try afterwards to try and get that shit off you. You know, the worst thing was, so where the music uh, video was shot was up in Donegal. So I was staying in Enniskillen that night, but it was still like an hour's drive from the shoot to uh, to the house in Enniskillen. So it was like an hour of like... Stickiness, like I'd washed, like there was no, there was no shower in the studio, so I'd like hand washed a lot of it off me. But yeah, the car smells of milk now, which is, uh, which is not great. So I need to get it valeted. Oh God, I'm just thinking if if you had to run into the center or something on the way home, and you're like sticky fingers and like I had to put diesel in the car. So I was in, I was actually in like a Circle K garage in Donegal Town putting diesel in, and I'm like, I stink of milk right now. If anyone looks at me. I would have loved if that was the day that somebody like is like, oh my God, I love Jake Carter. There he yeah. is. Runs Luckily over it was like, yeah, it was like half nine at night. So there was no one around. But yeah, it was definitely a, it was a moment. We'll put it that way. So anyone, if you did see him in Donegal and you got a sneaky snap, send us on so we can see. <laughs> <laughs> when is the uh, music video out then? When can people Hopefully see next week. Yeah. So it's uh, a quick turnaround. But yeah, I, I love shooting music videos. Like, I love doing random stuff. I love wearing random stuff for photographs. And I, I love when people then comment and they're like, what are you doing? Like, I love that. Do you know what I mean? So this is kind of what a video that is going to be. I think a lot of people are going to be like, what What a weirdo. Um, but it's great. Yeah. Well, normally at the end, I'd be like plugging all the different things or like one thing be like, oh, go to their thing to go see the concert. But you have a single and video, a a tour coming up, a new EP, uh, dancing to Christmas. There's there's a lot of shit going on here. So maybe I'll just say go to Jake's Instagram. <laughs> Instagram or yeah, Facebook or TikTok or the website is jakecarterofficial.com and the Dancing to Christmas website is just dancingtochristmas.com. And uh, if anyone has any suggestions for words for yourself and Karen... <laughs> Definitely let us know. Yeah. What well, do actually the, the one that we just done today, Karen uh, Karen's now driving an Audi, but she says Audi. Say Audi. Audi, yeah. Yeah, no, we say Audi in Liverpool, you see, so have I wonder done, what way that'd go online. Have you done 13? Because when I heard yeah. you say it earlier, you've done that one, have you? We haven't, no, and loads of people keep asking for 33 and a third, because Karen would obviously say 43 and a third. So I think we, we definitely have to do that at some stage. That's one that people are definitely waiting for. But I'm waiting for the day that she snaps and she just goes absolutely mental because it's always like she's on the brink. Whenever, I, like, she always tells me that I pick the worst times to do the videos as well. Like, it could be like nine o'clock in the morning and we're getting our morning coffee. And I'm like, right, let's go. And she's like, I've no makeup on. No, we're not doing it. <laughs> so yeah, there's going to be one day where I think I'm just going to get a belt across the face. Please upload that video then. Because I'm like, fair play, Karen. It is 9 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Picking time bomb. Oh, well, thank you so much for talking. I just realized I kept you an hour. So my apologies. But oh, you're okay. Don't worry. I've mentioned Thank it. you meant- so much for having me on. And a, and a big hello to anyone that's listening in. Oh, thank you. And now you can tell Karen you worked today so you couldn't clean. Exactly, yeah. If she asks, we did this for like six hours and it was just oh. chopped, okay? <laughs> I'd be like, look, he got really controversial. I had to cut a load of it. Come here, no, thank you so much anyway for having me on. Oh, no, you've always been great to me, so I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. And uh, look after that gorgeous little puppy of yours as well. I will do. He's still asleep here. He's due a walk now. Oh, his head's popped up. Oh, you heard the walk. <laughs> you heard the walk. Thanks so <laughs> much. Bye. Bye, bye. Bye, bye.
I hope you all enjoyed that. That was really good crack. We had really good laugh now. I know how I had a good laugh because when I came off the recording, my face was really red and like warm from laughing. And that was, and that was, but no heating on. So that's how I, <laughs> I didn't need the heating on for at least an hour after that. As you heard there, he's going to be in Panto. So he's in Beauty and the Beast out in the Lark in Balbriggan. So before I was recording this, I had a look and it's, because it's Black Friday, they have a 25% discount on tickets. So if you are near Balbregan or you're just fancying something to do between like Christmas and New Year's, that awkward week, it runs from the 5th, but most of us have free time between Christmas Day and um, it ends on the 30th. So you could head out to Balbriggan, make a day of it. And it's in the Lark there and the tickets are 25% off for Black Friday. So if you're listening to this, it runs until Sunday, that promotion. So do go and have a check it out and see like... Look, I think it's a great idea to do something like that just to get out of the house. I'm sure by then you'll be hating everybody and you'll be really rotten and you'll want to laugh. So re- three reasons to go and see it. And as you mentioned, as he mentioned, he has the new single out, Milk and Honey. So I had listened to it before I interviewed him and I really, and I hope he will too, because I suppose there is that idea that he's going to sound exactly like his brother and do country music and it's completely not. Like it's more like... Um, I'm trying to think who it sounds like. I could hear like Louis Tomlinson or something releasing it, if you get me. So I think go on and have a listen to it and see what you think yourself. And of course, he's playing the Academy in February. So like, if you enjoy it or you're just looking for a night out in February, by then, you know, you'd be off dry January. we looking for a reason to go out. And there you go. And of course, he, he mentioned Dancing to Christmas. So like, you guys can go check that out. All the info will be on his Instagram and his Facebook and all that kind of crack. So for everything he's mentioned there, that will be there but I will share the single up on my story so that you know uh, if you haven't listened to it you can just tap on to the stories on Instagram and I will have it up there if you don't already follow me come and follow it is tis yourself or on Twitter or well tis yourself and I think that's the same on TikTok and then on Facebook it's just tis yourself podcast obviously wherever you're listening to this if you're listening on Apple now why don't you go into the if you go to the top of the page where it has the name podcast it'll say rate and reviews and you can go in there and write a little review and be like Nicola is really sound even though she does a terrible Liverpool accent <laughs> and give us the five stars or if you're on Spotify there's a Q&A now on each episode so you can write a little answer to a question on every single episode on um, Spotify which is new but you can also rate it so we've got 51 five star ratings come on Boom, boom. Next goal, 55. So hopefully we can get some more five stars in there. It helps me out because like people look at it and go, oh, people actually seem to like this podcast. Fair play. Might have given it a listen. Anywho, I'm off to the UK for the weekend. So I'm going to leave you here, but I really hope you enjoyed it. And thank you so much for coming along and listening. Uh, I say this every single episode, like literally, I really mean it. I'm, I'm telling you now that Blind Boy probably couldn't tell you how many downloads he gets in a day. I could tell you for the last week how many downloads I got daily because I check it every day. So every time I see a new place coming in or like like Leicester, re- weirdly, the last week I've got loads of listens in Leicester. So it's obviously probably the same person but listening to more than one episode. I don't mind. Or if somebody discovered it and sent it on WhatsApp to their friend. Boom, love it. Um, Dublin got, you know, always get loads of listens in Dublin, but I love getting different places and you're kind of like, why is somebody in like Wisconsin listening to this episode? I'm, I'm hoping now when I look at this, when I look at the stats next week, I expect to see Liverpool top of the United Kingdom listens. All right. I want to see that. And then we see, well, Karen's side, the Dublin side to be listening to. Uh, anyway, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Your star bars, the lot of you. Salon and I will touch you soon.